Welcome back to Bob Talk with Talia Little. So before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm on today. So I'm on Bunurong country today. And where are you, Nate? I'm in Nam, so Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung country, yeah. Very exciting. And today is a really exciting day because our flag has just been, I guess, free. So this is a really long fight that's been had, I guess. And one of the campaigns was um, that started it was the Clothing the Gaps Free the Flag. And I remember um, interviewing them, I think, last year, early in the year, and, you know, they weren't too hopeful that it was going to happen anytime soon. But I guess it's just, I don't know, it's a really exciting day for our mob. Yeah, it is exciting, isn't it? I mean, it's something that, mm. you know, like myself, I've been watching and, um, you know, what what this looks like now. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. So it um, is really interesting because I guess it's still owned by the Commonwealth. So, you know, I was seeing a lot of mob posts this morning, like it's so exciting, it's so great. And then I'd see them almost post another post and just say like, oh, it's exciting but now I'm kind of sitting on it and I'm going far out this is just weird like it's almost like it's you get through one hoop and then you have to jump another yeah classic it's I mean that's that's the story of you know um our mob in this country so you know like just fighting for those um that autonomy over and self-determination you know so uh, yeah, yes, it, yes, I felt excited as well. And then, uh, but what is that? Uh, for me, it's, you know, it, it is exciting, but it's also a question of like, what does this look like now? What is this landscape of um, having a flag that's, um, is ours, but it's also, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say, but, you know, it's a, a job well done by closing the gaps, mob, like I've worked with them really closely. So, uh, it is it is an exciting day. Mm. And how exciting that through closing the gaps and I guess political fashion has helped push this movement right along. Like I'm wearing my little closing the gaps top today, you know, wearing that out in the street trying to make somewhat of an impression on people. Yeah. But it's just like fashion has the power to make so much change in this world, especially now through social media. Yeah, well, what I, one thing I found interesting, and I was having this discussion this morning um, over over coffee, was that you know that fashion space and what clothing the gaps did, and so these impact labels or these black-owned brands. Um, one interesting thing that came out of for me that came out of um, not being able to use the flag was the creativity. Um, the parameters of creativity that came through when, uh, you know, you're not allowed to use the flag as a symbol, how we use our colours and storytelling to create a new identities of um, that representation. I thought that, for me, that was something that I really loved because as a creative, those parameters of, like, those restrictions on what you can do, they always make you form your ideas differently. So, you know, I still hope people are pushing the creative with their um, with their advocacy shirts and, you know, like that's something. I really think they will, yeah. 
yeah. I think that like we've been forced to kind of think out of the box and that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, like there's bad things that did come from what happened, but as like you said, oh, you know, sure. look at this. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like that, yeah. that's super like, that's cool. Like that's, I, I think I'm not saying that the restrictions are good. I was just, I meant that no, like, no. You know, <laughs> as if from a creative point of view, when you have those, it makes you like, it pushes you harder. So, um, you know, that's yeah so have you always been a creative or yeah I guess I've always had a creative sort of outlook on life like my favorite subjects in school was always art or or art or sport that's the things I wasn't good at (laughs) (laughs) all the sciences and stuff forget about it like oh maths put it out the window yeah like happen um so yeah those um but art was definitely, like, it sticks out in my mind as a thing that I would always do. But even as I got older, the, the medium sort of changed between drawing to photography. And um, even with my cousins when I was younger, we used to make, like, like gammon little, like, music videos and stuff like that. Oh, dope. You know, like... Yeah, no, well, not Shango for me. Like we had the we had the best time doing creating that kind of stuff, and like you know, it never went anywhere. It was just like on our laptops because we had the little programs on there. But you know, I was always directing, like behind the camera, directing them to like with the music and stuff. So, so you had that um, pathway kind of set out from a young age. You know, you were already thinking what what no, you got out really, with the talent. Not really. It was always just something that was. Um, that idea is just fun. Like it was never really, I never thought it could be a career until um, because sport wasn't the bigger part of my life. Like I was an athlete, elite athlete for many years. So um, with, during that time, you know, like I studied, I even studied interior design and I um, became a, you know, a junior designer with a firm. Um, that didn't last very long because of my sport. So um, it's always been the two worlds of sport and um, the creative, the creative side. Yeah, and now fashion is my full-time, uh, full-time job. So you went from being an athlete to now fashion being a full-time job. How did how did you get from being an athlete to that? Like, what was the pathway that kind of led you there? Yeah, well, there's not really a pathway. I kind of was doing my sport and um, I came to a point where I wasn't really, I kind of fell out of love with the sport, to be honest. Um, The demands and stuff wasn't sitting right with my spirit. So, you know, like at the time I made that decision to move away, but at the same time, um, fashion kind of came into my world. I was asked to do a photo shoot um, for a magazine and um, that just became... And then when I came to Melbourne, I moved from Perth doing my the um, hockey programs over there to um, Melbourne, not doing any programs. Um, you know, I was working with photographers and stuff like. Um, so yeah, it would have been like six months after I moved over, I started doing some shoots and stuff after meeting people. So. Um, you know, and I kind of already had an idea of like the kind of stuff that I was doing in fashion. So, um, you know, like 
from the get-go, I've always been very picky and critical about what I what I do in fashion, um, just because I wanted it to be good. Like I didn't want to do anything that was comfortable not or um, not of good quality. So yeah, I guess I most most creatives in fashion will tell you that like it was an unconventional path to um, the success or the, the career that they have. Um, yeah, so my, mine was quite similar in that way that it just all aligned and it just happened. And then you kind of have to figure out as you, as you go, how to sustain that. I feel like that's a common conception with, you know, media jobs, film jobs, fashion arts and whatnot is that you get projects and you get work, but it's not like consistent nine to five day jobs. So you're always kind of having to think what's the next step. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I'm lucky in the fact that I am now at the point where every day I sit down in like at my home office and I'll have my calendar in front of me. And there's dates that are backed up, like of jobs and commitments. But that took all, that took that takes time to get to that. Like especially, like it doesn't it doesn't happen that quickly um, as well when you start to enter the fashion space. Um, so, you know, like that kind of it unfolds differently for everyone. Yeah. So, how long ago did you start modeling? Um, I've probably been modeling for like seven years now. So, um, yeah, I think it's been, oh, I think you've frozen. Yeah, go for it. I'm just trying to figure out this internet. Yeah, cool. Okay, I think I fixed it. Did you did it all record? Yeah, yeah, that, that was all recording. Yeah. Just the last bit of what you were talking about um, with being a model for seven years, I think. You've been modeling for seven years? Yeah. Yeah. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird this whole Zoom life now. Like it's just over the last two years, we've all gotten too good at just meeting people over Zoom. I know it's weird, right? So weird. And then you meet them in person and it's like you've met them before, but you just happen. It's the same as Instagram. That always happens with me. Like yeah. People will be, will be following each other before we've even met. It's so weird. 
Yeah, and then sometimes it's a bit awkward. You don't know if you're like, should I say hello or like, should I just it? <laughs> sometimes I'll get people be like, I saw you in the street. I didn't know whether I should say hello. And I'm like, what? Yeah, like I might be walking down the street in Sydney or Melbourne or whatever. And um, people will be like, oh, I'll get a message saying, I just saw you on such and such street. And I'm like, what? But no, that's weird. That is weird. I just come and say hi. Or Everyone out there, don't do that. That's weird. Just come say hello. <laughs> just come say hi. Just like you're getting all these messages like, I'm here, I'm seeing you. I'm like, no. Back away, please. No, all love. Um, so you were saying, Nathan, that you've been doing modelling for seven years? Yeah, I've been modelling for seven years. Um, there's a dog in here in this office. Um, yeah, I've been modeling for like seven seven years. Um, I'm now with IMG Worldwide, so I've represented like across their global offices. Congratulations. Um, and yeah, it's a big, a big deal. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about like once once travel's a little bit easier, um, getting overseas and working with some international creatives. Um, will be really, it's, I kind of need it now. <laughs> mm. Have you just been doing a lot of like homework for the last two years through COVID? Yeah, especially like during um, lockdowns, I, um, I spent a lot of time, because I'm originally like based in Melbourne, I went to Sydney just to escape the lockdown. So I rented up there. Um, and, you know, kept my place down in Melbourne as well. So it was really like working. I just like worked so hard to like keep work, like keep making money, um, Mm -hmm. keep shooting. Um, and yeah, like during that time and then, uh, cause I was moving around a bit, I did a job up in Darwin, um, with the Darwin Aboriginal Arts Fair and Indigenous Fashion Projects. Um, oh, was that the awards night? They had the uh, yeah National Indigenous Award, Fashion Awards, and they also had the Country to Couture Runway Show, mm. um, which they collaborate with artist groups to create some, like, couture pieces or runway pieces. I did see that. That was pretty amazing. They did a live on, I, think, I don't know who covered it, maybe SBS or NITV? Yeah, yeah, I think it was NITV that covered it. Um, and, you know, that's, like, that's a really good, um, that that element of um, where art meets fashion is, um, you know, that's a pretty, it's a pretty um, unique space in, in the fashion industry um, because it has an art, an art perspective um, over a fashion perspective, but the two worlds are starting to blend quite nicely, I think. Um, but, you know, like I was moving around and then I went back to Melbourne. I shouldn't have gone back to Melbourne from Darwin. <laughs> I should have just stayed like, I should have gone back to Sydney, but I was going to go back home to Perth because I'm from Perth originally. So, um, so you're Noongar? I'm a Noongar, yeah. And um, the, oh, I should have said that at the start, but anyways. Um, uh, yeah, so I was like... Damn it! I should have I should have gone back to back home, uh, and I went back to Melbourne to my place in Melbourne, and then 
got stuck there for until now, basically. Um, but during that time, I had different clients. Like I worked with Dior and did a photo shoot in my backyard. No, I feel like everyone in the fashion industry got so creative during that time. Like you look at all the social media through, then you'd be scrolling through and there's someone doing like a YSL beauty look in the mirror and like at home and things just kind of like branched out to a new level. Yeah, well, yeah. So I was working with Dior on one of their fragrances, um, did a shoot for that. I worked with, uh, I always work with David Jones. So I did work with some shoots with David Jones. I had a contract with Nike. Um, oh, well, like, the, oh, I had so many, like, nice little contracts come in that, you know, they, the, the, market and the landscape is different now with Instagram and social media, you know, like that's where, that's where the market is. That's where people are looking to um, partake in fashion or partake in products. So. So you were um, booked and busy that whole time. Booked and busy. Yeah. I, I cannot complain. I, um, mind you, it was like lockdowns were tough, but financially and work-wise I couldn't complain. Yeah. 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 Lockdown's a tough one. Everyone's mental health. I guess that kind of like social media was a way to escape things as well. You know, you'd go on there and even if you saw someone like traveling or something overseas, you'd kind of like be like, Oh, that's kind of giving me my hit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, I actually kind of overdid it with the social media uh, just because of the, like the work I did. Um, it kind of puts you into that space a lot. So I ended up having, uh, I take breaks now from social media just to refresh my brain or creativity or um, just to, because it's not normal, it's not a normal space to be in, but my industry is heavily in there. So. Um, what does taking breaks look like for you with social media? literally like deleting the app um i'm on a business profile so you can't even go private or anything um but yeah i just like leave it just leave the um leave the app and um i just take more time to focus on my on myself and being actually social with friends or actually um like switch my frame of mind because even so, it's not, you know, you need that mental health break. Even um, even from a fashion or inspiration perspective, everything starts to look the same. So, you know, like taking that time, as a creative, taking time to actually go use your imagination or not be referencing or, ref- or have something that you're connecting to going, I'm inspired by that, so I'm going to, do something like that but in my way it's like well how can you do something that's completely your completely your own um and like nothing nothing one would take but using inspiration or like copying someone's style that's how we develop our own personal that's how i've developed my own personal style um it's just you know like as soon as you get in there it's like okay how do i how do i do this my way and something completely new so I've oh, absolutely. As well. yeah yeah, it's crazy, like, when you go on Instagram sometimes, just seeing how curated someone's feed can be. And, like, once you start following that person, you kind of find all these people doing the same things and looking the same way. And when you find someone's page that's so authentic and unique to them, their own, they're themselves, it's 
kind of refreshing, you know, and I guess for you, it'd be hard because the fashion industry is social media these days, whereas it used to be, you know, magazines or like more so YouTube and those kind of things where you, you know, find that hit, whereas now it's social media. So it's not even a break. It's more just like work. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's such a, it's such a vast space. So, you know, you do come across really interesting creatives and you, um, I guess it's part, it's just part of the game. Like you've got people that, um, have beautiful aesthetic and that's what they post or, um, you know, that's, and then product aligned with that aesthetic, you know, like that's, I think that's fantastic. Um, and then there are artists out there too. So, you know, like it's such a good way to bring everyone together and yeah, connects. Um, yeah, like every like everything, good 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 with the bad. You good know? and bad. That's just life, isn't it? Yeah. So you've been doing modeling for seven years. How have you seen the fashion industry change in the past seven years in terms of, I guess, Aboriginal representation and diversity all round? Yeah. Um, I think in terms of the like the First Nations like fashion sector because it is a full sector now. Um, this space kind of, it didn't really exist to be honest before um, before 2020. Um, wow. You know, it was kind of like, there'll be a runway show here and there, but like, you know, there was no sustainable element to it. Sustainable meaning that there was no career path. There was no further follow-up. Um, it was literally just a show or a photo shoot or, and, you know, these weren't even stuff that was presented by the top levels of fashion. This was just something that it was, um, you know, yeah, it, it just really didn't exist. And, you know, I, I was part of a handful, a handful of Aboriginal models that, um, have been in the space, um, and, you know, this is only seven years, you know, before that, like my eldest sister, Shannon, was a model too back in the day. And when I have discussions with her about um, about the industry, you know, she didn't have social media. She was one of probably two Aboriginal girls in the whole entire industry, herself and um, Sam Harris. And oh, I remember Sam Harris. She was, yeah. Yeah, she was like um, big. She was like the first, like from growing up as a young person. She was like the first Aboriginal model that I can really remember. Yeah, and you know, she, uh, you know, she's for me. Sam is iconic. Like, and every time I talk to Sam or see Sam, you know, like I'm just, you know, I just I love like connecting with her, and you know, she's such a depth of knowledge too. So. Um, shout out to Sam. Hey, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure to tag her in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, it was for, like, so, so from my family perspective, it was my sister, Shannon, and, you know, Sam was the other one. You know, I wasn't even modelling then. Like, I was too young, but, you know, whatever. It's, um, they, um, but she didn't have social media. She didn't have a platform to brand herself. I've been able to brand myself um, by the work that I do 
um, and to the industry, you know, like they know I'm an Aboriginal man. So, um, you know, which is, which is important to me because, you know, like I'm not Aboriginal because I'm a model of been Aboriginal my whole life, you know, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. something that, you know, it's, um, you know, like it's just part of my identity. So, you know, that, um, but what I was saying before is, you know, that social media element or the way the industry looked then, um, you know, there was an access to the industry. So who is going to be able to recruit um, or like sign models because that space was profitable or that space needed to be developed, you know, it never, it never was. Um, you know, and uh, the space kind of was non it was non-existent um, to an extent, you know, like I think we had lots of local kind of um, designers and stuff doing runways. Like I remember growing up and going to NADOC events and, you know, there was a little fashion element or because, you know, this – we as mob, we, we know our beauty and we've seen it, like we've been brought up in it and, um, you know, having those little runway shows and stuff, that was that was inspiring to do. But as the years have gone on, we'd seen mob go into different levels of fashion. So for myself, you know, to be honest, the industry didn't care that I was an Aboriginal model. They didn't, they didn't care. Like when I first got signed, they literally said, well, we don't know what to do with an Aboriginal boy. I remember that was one of the first things that they had said to me. What? Yeah. So, you know, like these moments. How does that, how does that like being, I don't I'm unsure of how old you are, but seven years ago and hearing that, like how did that kick, did that kick your confidence? Uh, yeah, fully, because I was, like, so not used to the fashion space. But when I heard it, like, internally I knew. I was like, oh, that's – I just went, oh, okay. Like, kind of accepted it. And when I walked out, I was like, why the – did I accept that? Like, you know, like, Nathan now would never would never do that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes you're kind of in a space where you're like, oh, well, I'll take all I can get. And that's not – you know, unfortunately, at the time, that's all I knew. So I accepted that. But the good thing was that after that, I was like, you know, after that, internally, I didn't accept that. And the funny thing was, is that I pushed my agency. I was like, sometimes um, models just get like, they fall off the, the back. They kind of... Um, think that they're working for the agency. The agency works for the model, you know? So like, you got to tell them what you want. So I ended up doing a lot of that, just contacting them and saying, hey, I want to I wanna do this. I want to do this editorial. Like I really took control of my own sort of work. And as soon as I started doing that, that kind of changed everything else. Um, and then, is that music too loud? Can you hear that? No, I can't, no. Oh, good. <laughs> Sorry, I'm playing music in there. No, it's okay. Um, You're in like a public space. It's chill. Okay, cool. Um, then, so for me, it was like literally like being the only Aboriginal person 
on set in a room at a photo shoot and um, the only people that were interested in my stories were publications from like New Zealand or the UK. So creating- Why do you think that is? To be honest, I think Australia is very conservative in their readership for these publications and they have been for a long time. So, you know, for some reason, you know, like, it may, I don't know if I'm missing something, but it definitely felt like there wasn't just no interest in um, Aboriginal talent unless you were really killing it. So luckily I was killing it because, <laughs> well, yeah. for me, like I was like, well, hang on, how do I, how do I, I don't know what happened with me. It's one of those things where, you know, I really, I pushed for what I wanted from my agency. I looked at a lot of YouTube videos of models that I admired and I was like, how did they do that? How did they get there? Um, I studied lots of fashion magazines. I looked at what photographers were shooting. You know, like I kind of invested in the, in the world of fashion. So from myself, by the time things started shifting and, you know, um, the Black Lives Matter movement um, ramping up in 2020, that made the industry, that was a big moment because, uh, you know, outside of, I can't speak on the bigger picture of, you know, what was happening, but I can speak from the perspective of what happened in Australian fashion and what I observed within our little industry here in Australia was that I just saw all the, the leaders and creative people being posting about it, but saying, I'm so lucky. We're so lucky we live in us in Australia where this doesn't happen. Oh, and that was the moment for me where I was like, you know, being in the industry, being, being a proud Aboriginal man, I, I just was like, what are you talking about? How, how is this lucky with, with our deaths in custody? And, you know, all the social injustices that Aboriginal people face, you're not even looking in your own backyard. And I basically just put it all out on the table. <laughs> and I was just like, this is, you know, this is not, this is not right. It's like, it's very clear the space I'm operating in. And, you know, that kind of, that kind of prompted a lot of people to actually invite me into the creative process of photo shoots and, um, you know, like a lot of spaces, the the um, people who want to be allies or who are allies, because I had a lot of allies um, that have helped me in the industry, um, but the ones that weren't really doing any of the work, who are just starting to do it, do it now. I think it was a really big wake up wake up call for them because I think everyone just went went in on them and were like, you know. You, you actually had to force them to hold a mirror up to themselves and go, oh, actually, what are we, what are we standing for as an industry? You know, when we, we can't even look after our First Nations um, talent. And so from, from that, even, um, there was even a moment in there, um, which I don't really like, I don't really discuss, but um, there was sort of like, I won't go into it. Um, 
but that from those discussions built like this sort of um, sort of momentum, and um, they. I might. Can I just? I might tell them I'm going to turn that music down. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Yeah. They're having a party. They're, they're actually dancing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they actually. Are. Oh, they just turned it down. It gets oh. wild in the office. <laughs> Slack. Dogs. <laughs> Dancing. <laughs> um, and I've never worked in an office before, really, so I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, anyways. Pipe down. I was saying, oh, basically, from, um, you know, 2020, it's such a crucial year. And, you know, in that space, I did a campaign with um, Country Road, but Country Road was already in discussions with that myself was the, and that Billy. Was you and Billy, yeah, I remember that. That was that was honestly the first one of the first campaigns that I saw with a lot of First Nations people, and I was like, "Who are these models? Like, where did they yeah. come from?" Yeah, so um, like, but Country, like before that, Country Road had had like Aboriginal talent in their shoots, but they were never put at the forefront of the the imagery. So um, they had just started doing that with uh, Billy. And then, um, you know, like I had built up a reputation in the industry and I got put in the front forefront. And this was before Black, the Black Lives Matter um, moments were really happening. So, you know, like it was kind of like, but this is because it was because black fellas behind the scenes like myself and like Reese Ripper were talking to these other creatives and they were like, oh, yeah, we really need to shift this landscape. So, you know, just that example alone, having backfellas talk to the creatives or being the creatives on the team, it kind of created a new conversation. Um, being led by Aboriginal voices. Yeah, like well, just being consulted or brought in on, into the conversation, you know. I remember that campaign being so powerful and it, you know, crossed over so many um, to different mob, you know, like, and, you know, especially from like a, a male perspective, um, the the boys that reached out or the boys that were like, were like, you know, we love seeing you. They, I get told all the time from Aboriginal boys and that and it fills my heart up, you know, like that they love seeing my campaigns and my stuff in the, sh- in the shops. You go to the shops and you see mm. Of me or whatever. Oh, you know yeah. them, and you're like, that's my cousin's uncle's sister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's like in Perth, I get that all the time, you know, and it makes me so proud. Like, makes me, it kind of is a good reminder of why, like, why I, sometimes I'm like, I want to quit, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, so like, even for, but from that, you know, that created the opportunity for these publications to start doing more stories. Um, because for me, fashion, fashion traditionally reflects the, the, the state of the world or the areas that we live in. So over history, you see why, why fashion people dressed a certain way political statements that came in from certain times and it changed fashion. You know, it does, it can change the way, um, you know, like even so in the sixties, like with a mini skirt, and you know, like those kinds feminism of feminism movements. Yep. Yeah, like these these kinds of moments um, can really shift shift the narrative and change the way people think. 
and you know like um you know i'd never one of the things that i always wanted to do is like i was like i really wanted to be in um gq magazine and for like the longest time i'd never i'd seen models that were new come in and they would get booked like straight away like for these these top locations and i was always told oh nathan's at the top of our list nathan's at the top of our list and I was like, but why won't they just book me? Like, why won't they, you know, I was producing, like, in my opinion, I was producing better work and I was doing better editorials um, outside of, you know, like that's just, you know, might be a bit cocky or whatever, but I actually think I was doing better work. You're backing but yourself though. That's I was like, backing that's myself and I thought, yeah. you know what, I could do it. And, you know, the opportunity came for me to um, work with GQ but instead of just doing a shoot with GQ, they asked me to do a full um, perspective of like myself as an Aboriginal man, as a model, as a successful top model in Australia, not just an Aboriginal model, top model. And they kind of um, were like, I got to do a welcome to country. They got to um, organize like an acknowledgement in the magazine. Like, I saw that. I actually yeah. read that art. It's like it's online. It's an article, and I thought yeah. I actually thought about the acknowledgement. I was looking, and I was like, "Wow, that's like it's a really good acknowledgement." And I was thinking, normally people just put like a standard, you know, um, acknowledgement. But that was like good detail. Yeah, and then the team also collaborated. The stylist Reese Ripper is a Yoda Yoda man, um, and then I like, you know, even down to the point of like. Um, so one of the shots I have ochre on my on my face. Um, so you know, I spoke to my elders and who I was meant to speak with, and I spoke to the Gadigal elders um, as well, who I could get in touch with up in Sydney. And I sort of made sure that all the permissions that I had to put ochre on my face on different country to be dressed up, mm -hmm. um, you know, those those things um, the industry had, or that team had never seen before. So it was just like, it's only small insight, but it's actually a big, it's actually over time I've realized how um, instrumental that could be to any publication that decided to, you know, work with um, Aboriginal or First Nations people. And that led to such a great relationship um, and, you know, further momentum with my career. And then the next time I worked with GQ was I got um, the cover of GQ Style and um, like the first Aboriginal model to be on the cover of GQ Style. Um, what did that feel like when you got that call and they were just like, we want you to be on the cover? What did like, what were those feelings going through you? Yeah. I mean, like that was really, that was really exciting because um, I kind of knew how big the moment was and it was really, it was also really cool because um, at this point I'm signed with IMG and, you know, I love my new agency. Well, they're not new anymore, so <laughs> I've been with them for a while. And um, uh, it was like, oh, the conversation was with Bottega Veneta, which is a luxury brand. Mm -hmm. And they specifically wanted me. So, you know, like those, those kinds of things where I have brands like Bottega Veneta or I have Louis Vuitton or I have Prada or Dior, like that specifically want me for jobs. It's like, it's, you know, they're institutions of fashion. So to have this Noongar kid just trying, like working with them, 
it's every time I have to like, cause I think ahead so much, I want to like do more and more. I don't, sometimes I forget the moment, um, but that having that cover was very, was very special. Like um, it's proudly in my book. Um, you know, hopefully it's the, the first, like I hopefully have more covers like that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want it to just be a one-off, a one-off thing. So you have that really like chic style though, like your branding on Instagram and like solid Oprah, your brand that you're, you know, releasing soon. It's very chic and it's very like earthy and, you know, you kind of have that look that can fit in in so many ways, but it's so unique. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think it's taken me, a, it's taken me a while. Cause I used to just wear like, you know, just my team uniform training shirts and like sneakers and stuff. Like I never had like, whilst that would be cool now, I was a sense of style back when I was doing that. It wasn't really like, it was just kind of like daggy. And then I um, developed a personal style and then now I've got, yeah, I'm starting my own, my own brand. So um, yeah, it's quite a, quite a journey. So you are like, you are definitely booked and busy. How do you find time to then create your own brand amongst your new job at Melbourne Fashion? Well, the exciting thing is, is that uh, I'm very lucky in the sense that I have a team around me that um, I bounce all my ideas off. I get to, you know, really curate and learn as I go. So my label I'm developing with um, an Aboriginal organisation called Kinaway and they have a kin fashion program. And essentially they've selected eight designers to um, conceptualize uh, a collection through the program. And the ultimate goal is that we have a manufacturing hub in Australia that is First Nations led. So that means that the level of um, First Nations fashion that comes through is even down to the pattern makers and the sewers and um, you know, that space becomes even more intrinsically um, woven, excuse the pun, but you know, like that becomes more um, sustainable in terms of careers and in terms the of- cycle, keeping Aboriginal the people of, employed um, and by producing. And um, you know, like, so for my label, Solid Ochre, it's um, sustainable materials, organic materials, and it's made in Melbourne. So, you know, like that, the thing that that means is that because, and I have fashion pieces, that means they're going to be a little bit more of a premium cost for certain certain items. Um, But that's only because um, there's not enough manufacturers in Australia that can produce this kind of thing. So, um, you know, I'm working with my team at Kin to be able to um, find solutions to this manufacturing um, situation or um, even development of like a new label. Like, cause I'm not a designer, but I've worked in fashion for a while now. So um, being able to, like, I just drew what I, I was like, I like this, I'd draw it. And they were like, cool, let's make a pattern. And then we'd make a pattern. And so it's like the process I'm learning, but um, 
I think because I like to be direct as well. I can tell people like, I'm like, this is how it should look or this is what we want to do. You're very comfortable Um, with those decisions. Yeah. And I don't think I do it in a way that's like, um, it's very cool. I feel like I bring people in and collaborate and, um, hopefully I make that exciting, but you know, like even the opportunity from my label to photograph it with really great photographers and, you know, I've discovered some new talent that's like, you know, have Aboriginal boys that, um, can be models if they want to be models, they have it, they have it, you know, and, um, there's not enough of that in the industry, um, where it's like, you know, they, like people will know me or they'll know, um, Billy and, you know, like there's models that just unknown, but we need more, we need more that people go, oh yeah, we like, we like him or her or, you know. It's um, funny because like back, you know, like you said, seven years ago when they said, what are we going to do with Aboriginal boy? And now it's like, if you're First Nations, it's that you're at the top of the list now because of, you know, all the political movements and whatnot and brands are wanting to be, I guess, um, doing the right thing or seen as doing the right thing. So they're booking First Nations. How do you, as you said before, you are, you know, a top Aboriginal model, but you're also just a very successful model in general. I find that sometimes it's hard because although we're Aboriginal, it's not our only identity. You know, we are Aboriginal and that's just built and ingrained into us, especially, you know, if you're lucky enough to have grown up in community and mob or back on country, um, how do you kind of manoeuvre that? Because it's also a blessing, but sometimes it's like I just, I don't want to be pigeonholed to just being the Aboriginal person. I, you know, I want to be recognised as, you know, just a successful model in general. You know, I've, and I will give credit to, um, you know, a lot of the people that I work with, they do credit with me with being a model and also a proud Wajap Noongar man. So, you know, like, I think it's a lot in the language of what is being presented. At the moment, um, there is the highest demand for First Nations talent. So, um, you know, that just means that, like, the work that my, like, people like myself, and there's many others, there's many other people, like, that have contributed to this sector, um, you know, they it becomes like like most things i think some things get um fast track to being not considered as well so there's some things where it's like they want this messaging but it's literally like it'll be just a face or it'll be you know like there's brands that haven't been particularly sensitive in the past that will try and like book of an Aboriginal face and that's happened with me. And I've had to say, you know, like before I even consider working with you, what's the conversation or like what's your messaging or what are you, what are you actually trying to prove uh, by using a first agent's face? Are you doing it because it's trendy or are you doing it because you actually want to make a difference to the landscape of fashion or the way, you know, Australian, you know, there's a big conversation about what Australian um, identity is. And for a long time, that was blonde hair, blue eyes, beachy, 
you know, that was the Australian. Literally pearl, like just beachy look, like, yeah. yeah. Like that would, that was the, that was the look. It's not the case anymore, you know? So like that um, culture of fashion or identity of fashion, how are you contributing to that being changed or how are you um, breaking down, you know, whatever messaging you've been putting out to be able to put out a new, um, you know, are you just, are you authentically um, engaging in community or are you doing it because you think you have to? Um, and there's a, you know, that's a, that, that conversation line is a spectrum of, you know, moral compassing and like figuring out what you have to do. Um, it's like the like Billabong that. campaign. Have you seen, you know, the new Billabong campaign by Otis? I think it's. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. So that I just saw that the other day and I know he, cause I, it's really weird actually. I, he released these really cool t-shirts. They're like gray and then they have um, the dots behind them and then the Aboriginal flag. They released that like oh, a year ago, two years ago, something like that. And I saw it and I was like, oh, I really want to get one. And they sold out. And I was thinking about it the other day and looking it up. And then I realized that he'd just done a whole nother campaign with Billabong and all these black faces are on there. And wait, did it, I think I cut out. Um, but yeah, it was just so amazing to see, I guess, a brand show an Aboriginal artist collaborating with them in such an authentic way, not anything tokenistic as well. Seemed very genuine. Yeah, and I think like I think the industry is kind of realizing, you know, something I talked about. I used to talk about this all the time before anyone wanted to really listen. Was that like, you know, I for me, I've always said that the future of Australian fashion is First Nations fashion, like because our connection to this country, the lands, the waters, the skies, the stars, like our connections run way deeper than what any sort of like commercial um, brand or, you know, like sense of European style um, that influences the industry now. It's like we have, we've had our own stories and versions of this forever. So um, that sort of, um, cause like Billabong, iconic Australian, brands and you know i've seen stuff in the past that they've done i've got this vintage um vintage green lime green singlet that's got the aboriginal flag on the back and it's been a thing but like there's always like for them to go completely into with an artist and um consult with him in the direction on that you know i i like to celebrate the artist i like the brands are always going to do what they want to do. The publications are always going to do what they're going to do. Um, but credit goes to the mob that are doing that work. That's, I feel like that's one of the main things that I, um, because everyone's playing catch up essentially in the industry. Don't, I don't, I personally think I, I'm very, I'm a lot more critical because I've been around a lot longer. But giving applause straight away, sometimes I'm like a bit hesitant. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is that? Well, I'll applaud. I'll applaud the talent, the mm-hmm. black colors that are in it, because you know that visibility that goes beyond, and it's the same as me. It goes beyond. It's beyond me. You know, it means a lot to mob that we get to front these things. But I feel like it's just the start, and these brands and publications and whatever. Like, 
it's literally like been eight, one year or into the second year, like since they started really considering um, our culture within this space. So in a way that they want to do it, not in a way that it's like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll chuck an Aboriginal story in here or, or that, you know, like it's actually part of like the framework of what the industry looks like now. So, um, you know, like, yeah, great, fantastic that these things are happening. It's not taking anything away from that. It's just like... Take it with a grain of salt? Kind of take it with a grain of salt, but, like, there's so many more, like, building blocks to do before it comes, um, you know, and a lot of... sometimes, Sometimes the perspective is from a white perspective of what Aboriginal culture is. So, like... Like, I'm very, um, I'm just trying to, like, keep No, this. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly, that comes with, like, you know, sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, that is so tokenistic. Like, just when you put a didgeridoo in it, like, that's not even, that's not even where, like, that's, that's talking. Yeah, like, that's, I, I, that's I not the symbol for saying. the whole of Australia. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, like, of course, keep keep doing it. Keep doing the shoots. Keep doing the, the branding and stuff. Um, I just like to make sure that it's done authentically and it doesn't um, it doesn't um, that it's sustainable in a way for for mob. You know, like we're talking cult, we're talking culture here. It's not just about um, appearing to do the right thing as well and we're talking about people's lives like culture is our life so literally and like like you said before when what you did with gq i think it was gq when you went and talked to mob from noongar country and then gadigal country is that sometimes those protocols are really missed and maybe people even even mob you know sometimes if they haven't had the education um behind that and you know cultural protocols are a big thing too so I guess it's just making sure people get that right because, you know, culture isn't just something that's on the side. It's just, like, within us. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, like, that's going to take – that takes time for um, – it's not in the framework of a lot of businesses. So, you know, you're talking about business and culture. So people aren't going to understand business and sometimes cultures, like, and be, like you know, those – the different – different entities so um but for now it's you know like sometimes you've got to take the steps of just being visible so that will lead on to like deeper understandings and deeper relationships with aboriginal people because there has to be there has to be accountability and there has to be a buy-in if you're gonna if you're gonna do this you're gonna have to sell you, you want to stand by our culture and you want to, you know, have a photo shoot, whatever, but you actually got to support in the moments that we need support. So, you know, like that's, that's all. And I love, I love talking about that. Like, I just love to know, it's like, how is this, how, what does this look like for you? Like, because mm. we can't keep feeding you that, uh, feeding you answers for problems that we didn't create or we didn't, um, you know, like you want to participate in our culture. So that comes with learning and understanding. Um, it's I very, guess it's as well, very like, complex. Absolutely. And it's like we, it's like I applaud everything, you know, all the steps people are taking and it's really humbling to see that now because, you know, 
I want to improve whatever life I can and my kids can have in terms of our culture and being Aboriginal and whatnot. But it's also just like booking Aboriginal people in general. Like it's not just like booking them for, you know, a First Nations shoot. That's sick. Like book me, but like book me for those ones that are international or like front faces of Australia or, you know, like it's taking us out of this pigeonhole of just being Aboriginal and putting us into the world. Like that is so important. And I think that people need to kind of start realising that is that we're not just Aboriginal. That is part of us, but we're so much more and we have so much more to offer. Yeah. Like a lot of the times it was kind of, for me going, moving through the fashion space was like, book me because I'm good at my job or like, yes. Yeah. You know, and you know, that, that, that does happen. And, you know, it's kind of, I definitely feel like it's a feeling out phase of the industry we're at the moment. And like, there's a lot of amazing opportunities going to artists and models and creatives. And, oh, it's um, a great time to be like, this might sound strange, but it's an awesome time to be young and black as well, because yeah. we are carving this space and like, you know, what our grandparents did for us, we can continue that fight in so many other ways. Yeah, and that's that's an important thing to remember is, you know, like I'm so grateful for, you know, like what my, like my dad and like all my uncles and aunties and nan and pops, you know, like even as, even as a kid being, being around the, being around that culture and, um, you know, understanding history and we're actually, that's, I think that's kind of part of why I'm very, um, like I like to discuss these things because like at some point I'm not going to be doing this and there'll be other young Aboriginal or, you know, other black fella kids that come in to the space. And if, if it's wasn't safe for me, how am I going to leave a legacy or leave something that's going to be like more culturally safe or um, changing, changing what this industry looks like. And in my own small way, I feel like I'm doing that and still wanting to do it. Um, but you know, like, what is, what does that look, what does that look like? And how, well, how is the industry involved? Yeah. Well, like one of the things I really applaud your label for is how you incorporate and you in, you're inspired by country and your connection to country and culture, but it's not, it's like your clothes are inspired by that as well. So it's kind of showcasing that, you know, our art is so amazing, but we also can do other pieces as well that just aren't dot paintings and stuff like that, which are so amazing in their own right. But, you know, we also have other talents that can, I guess, form into new age fashion. Yeah, I think what was important for me was that, you know, like I've seen these amazing labels use artwork as a way of expression, expression for the clothing. But for me, I wanted to do a different route. So that was the only reason like I'm still going to have artwork in some of my pieces oh absolutely but it was more it was more that I wanted to reference culture instead of um instead of using specific parts of culture so um basically using a color scheme and storyline behind color or shape um kind of lent itself to a more contemporary and a little bit, maybe a little bit broader from like in my head, a little bit broader um, 
stuff that I could do. So, um, I mean, it's with Solid Oka, it's literally um, the start of the concept of what Solid Oka is. So, you know, sometimes I, I don't know at the moment if it's going to be full collections each drop. It might just be a couple of pieces. Um, because I also have one have a sustainable element where it's, and I don't want to like overextend myself with like having to do any sort of major crazy production or um, stuff like that, which is all everything I'm learning now. Um, but yeah, um, I'm trying to make sure that the culture is considered and it's done respectfully and in a way that kind of um, like, kind of is inclusive of all mob, like like everyone can partake in solid oka, you know. It's um, I'm very excited about it. It's, it's developing every day. It's changing. So, yeah, I think, and it feels like a natural progression, really. It feels like a really good, um, uh, it feels like a good platform for me to have, um, especially in the industry being able to book, like me be the one that directs it, book the models, book the photography. It's a completely different side of it, isn't it? Just yeah. being on the other hand. Yeah, but I think all the years that I've done as a model has helped me develop, like, what I can do now. And there's so many people interested, there's so many people interested in it, so it just tells me that, you know, like, it is viable, it is, um, and it's, it is unconventional, but that's, you know, that's fashion as well and that's being, being creative. Mm-hmm. So what could be your advice to a young person wanting to get into this industry? Like, or what would be some advice you'd love to give your 17-year-old self kind of thing? Uh, um, it would be that um, it's definitely like seeking out other mob in the industry, like, because the space, you know, was it's been really small. Like before the last year or so, there wasn't other like people really to like. There wasn't a place to connect. There wasn't really a way, you know, we were connecting. It was just kind of like, oh, I think that that's another Aboriginal person working in fashion, but it was never connected. Um, so I think seeking out more straight away. I think knowing that, you know, you might not if you love fashion, you know, you might not be a model, like you might not, you know, you might do a couple of like photo shoots or like, and, you know, have fun modeling, like have fun with it. Um, If you get to a point where you want to take it seriously as a business, like amazing. Um, But you might find yourself in love with um, fashion design or styling or doing hair and makeup, even doing production. Um, You know, there's so many roles you know, like being a creative director, um, being an editor, there's so many avenues of fashion that are yet to be explored by mob. And, you know, that's part of the work I'm doing here at Melbourne Fashion Festival is a program I'm creating um, within the framework of the festival where mob can apply to be part of the Melbourne Fashion Festival as a photographer, as a stylist, as a journalist, as um, wow, know, that's so exciting! Up. So people, yeah. so mob have the chance to like attend. Yeah, mob have a chance to like. It's a, it's essentially like a pathway into the festival. 
um, and they're paid positions, you know, depending on how many we can accommodate accommodate for. Um, I'll be launching this really soon. I'm actually, I'm still working with it now, but launching for application expression of interest very soon. Um, anyone listening, just anyone keep listening? that in mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's something that can be, you know, this, the, the lanes are opening up, the, the doors are opening. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're serious about it, like get in and just have a go, like seriously, just have a go. And, um, you know, a part of some advice that I would have given myself was just like, and I think I did it anyway, was be unapologetic, like just freaking go for it because, um, you know, you don't know who you inspire along the way. You don't know who you meet along the way. And that's, that's just part of like, like I've been able to give back to community. That's been the one thing that I used to struggle with for a while was going, fashion felt very selfish. It felt like I was just doing these photo shoots and I was, I was making money and, mm. You know, there was a point. Yeah, it's a weird feeling when you make money, hey, and you go back to community and you see like heaps of poverty and stuff. For me, anyway, like when I went back to Alice Springs and you go back, and I was doing a documentary, so I was like earning a bit of cash. And um, I'd run around, I'd see all these little kids running around in those shoes, you know, asking for money, and I felt shame. Well, most not shame, but you know, it's like this weird guilt. Yeah, I think, well, you know, like for me growing up, um, it was always about, you know, giving back to your community and like once you found success that you would you know it was a natural thing to like give back to the community so having that in the back of my mind as I was building my career you know it makes sense now that like I didn't have to do it back then because I was still finding my way but now is the point where you know I've got an established career I can give back to my community in different ways so you know that I did feel a lot of pressure when I was um, when I was working, just work like just working, shooting, making money. It was like, how do I how do I channel all of this into giving back to the community? Because like that was something that's always been really important to me. But now it makes sense that you know doing this program, having my label where I get to call creative shots and employ you know black creatives. That's that's what all of that work meant for now. So, um, and the other thing is, is that it doesn't, another advice is that it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It does not happen overnight. Like it takes time and you have to be frustrated and you have to like be tested and, you know, like we always want things straight away, but, um, if you get it straight away, you may not have the, the experience to hold on to it or make it into something new, like, you know, so be patient and do the do the hard jobs. Sometimes you get bad jobs from your agency, but that builds the relationship with your agent, you know, like you kind of have to copy hit here and there. But that's where that's where you learn. That's where all your learning comes in. Mm. Yeah. Oh well, thank you so much, Nathan. It's been so great having you on. It's so funny though, because like when you said unapologetic, 
I literally said at the start of this year, this is the year of being unapologetic about so many things and backing yourself. And I did an interview with Latifah T and Tyrone Penor. I don't know if you know them, yeah. but yes, I did two interviews with them in the last week. Um, and that was the exact same thing that they said, like literally was 17 year old self, back yourself and be unapologetic. So yeah, it's just crazy to think how we're all on the same wavelength. And I feel like with this exciting time, you know, that's what we just have to do. Yeah, and, you know, like like backing yourself, you know, for me being, to be told, you know, better not to be with an Aboriginal boy, you know. Come like, now. <laughs> well, my culture has been my ultimate, you know, it's been my power, you know. Like our ancestors, they got us, you know, like they hold us. So, you know, in that unapologetic way, you know, you can honour them and you can, you can make them all proud. So, you know, like totally back yourself like and if the thing is sometimes we get scared that you know it's like oh they're not gonna they're not gonna like me or they're not gonna they're not gonna support what I stand stand for but we forget that there's a whole nother sector and even our own mob has got have got you so like yeah like sometimes your, your path changes but like if you just keep backing yourself you got it like yeah well, yeah, thank you so much, Nathan, for coming on. It's been amazing. I love talking about anything that includes fashion or diversity. So yeah, I could sit here and talk to you for ages about so many topics, but I think that would drive everyone crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I'm sure we'll meet again at some stage or just generally meet in person. Yeah, I'm hoping this fashion, year. Any fashion talks you want to have or? I'll be hitting you up. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's plenty to discuss here. Like we bet, I feel like we, you know, covered a little bit of it, so. It's literally just like the surface topics. You could be here for days if you really wanted to get into things. Oh yeah, there's so much, there's so much stuff, but we won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming on, and I'll chat to you soon, and I'll let you know when um the podcast is coming out. Probably in a couple of weeks. Um, if you could just send me a photo that you know you like of yourself or that you're happy for us to promote with, that'd be awesome. And your favorite color two favorite colors just because like when we do the promotions i ask them everyone what their you know vibe is so all right sweet yeah no cool Thanks, Talia. Yeah. have a lovely day i hope everyone in the office isn't being too thanks everyone for joining us on mob talk this week if you like this podcast please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on instagram and we'll see you all for another yarn soon Oh, <laughs>